Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Well, how's everybody doing this morning? You ready for New Year's? You cooking some black-eyed peas and cabbage? Yeah. Who's cooking a pork roast? Yeah. I'm looking for some place to eat. I don't, wanna, I don't care. What, I'm just looking for some place to eat. No, I'm not cooking for y'all. All right, so well, it's good to have y'all today. Hey, listen, I, I've got a, a word for you this morning uh, as we stand on the cusp of 2024. But before I do, I want to give you a little something um, that I forgot to talk about last service because I was going to talk about it at the end. So now I'm going to talk about it at the beginning so I don't forget. Is that all right? This is something that I use in counseling with people. Um, in Genesis chapter 1, um, I think verse 26, God says to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our own image, right? So God is a triune being, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He said, let us make man in our own image. And so he made us triune beings. There are three parts to you. First of all, there's your body. That's your body, right? And then there's your soul, the inward part of you. That's your mind, your will, and your emotions. And then there's the spiritual part of you. That's your spirit, man. And so in counseling, I help people uh, just by setting some goals. And so when you leave today, these are in the lobby uh, on some tables. If you want to pick one up, you can. Um, so you want to set some goals, a goal, some goals uh, concerning your body, right? I've got some goals. It's none of your business. <laughs> none of your business. All right. So um, and then your soul, you've got three parts to your soul. So um, maybe you have a, 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 a goal in your mind. Maybe you want to um, uh, think through. One of the things I'm doing this year is I'm taking one scripture a day, writing it on an index card, and I want to just think about that scripture all day long. That's my goal for my mind, right? Uh, my will is going to be connected to the, my, my body goal, right? Because it's one thing to have a goal. It's another thing to make it happen, Amen. right? And then your emotions. For some of you, you may have a, an emotion that's out of control, and you want to deal with that this year, Right? You might need to involve somebody to help you with some accountability. Maybe some of you, um, you know, sometimes when I counsel couples, uh, the wife will say, I mean, he never gets excited about anything. Okay, men, your goal could be just like work on excitement. When she says we're shopping today, go, just your goal is to say yay. Right? When she says, right, we're going to my mama's house today, just go, thank you, Jesus. And Lord, help me to keep my mind in control. All right, so, and then your spirit, man. That's spiritual. That's a spiritual goal. Maybe that involves praying or Bible reading, or maybe it's for you, it involves doing something for others, right? But um, there's three parts to you. So look at this year making a goal in each part. And again, those are there out there for you when you leave today. All right. Hey, so I want to talk to you today on the subject of choosing your future, choosing your future. I thought that this would be a great way to kick off 2024. I think that 
If you're like me, you're making goals and you're making resolutions and you're looking forward to some things. We're looking forward to leaving some things behind, right? And walking into a new season. And so we're going to look at the life of Moses today. And I'll explain that here in just a moment. But one of the greatest gifts that God has given us is the ability to choose. We have the freedom and the ability to make choices, right? The problem is that this great gift can also be a curse because sometimes we make dumb choices, right? Uh, Every choice I make is not a good one. So we often waste that power of choice that God has given us, that God has entrusted us with. Today, I want to go deeper than just choices. As we consider 2024, as we consider some things that God wants to do in us and through us, some goals, some, some um, uh, things like that. I want us to go deeper than just choosing. I want us to resolve some things. The verb, the verb resolve means this. It means to decide. It means to settle. It means to determine with intent and with purpose. We're going to look at four resolves today in the life of Moses. Moses is one of the greatest men in Scripture, definitely the greatest man in the Old Testament. Moses led the Jews to freedom after 400 years of slavery in Egypt. He challenged the greatest nation of the world uh, at that time, which was the nation of Egypt, and their leader, Pharaoh, and set 2 million people approximately uh, free from slavery. 600 men, 600,000 men, the Bible says, plus uh, their wives and children. It was Moses that God gave the, the, the Ten Commandments to. It was Moses that God used to write what we call the Pentateuch, or the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And I think the question is, when you think about somebody like Moses, and you think about somebody like David, and somebody like Paul, why did God use them in such an amazing way? Well, I think you're going to see in this passage of Scripture here in just a moment that Moses made four choices that literally altered his destiny. Choices that put him in a place to be used by God. Listen, I believe that God wants to use every one of us, right, to do things for the kingdom and do things for God. But not all of us are in a place where we're willing to be used by God. And I don't think the issue is God. I think the issue is us. So Moses made four choices that altered his destiny. Our choices are the things that make us and prepare us for what God has for us. What happens to us in life is not nearly as important as the choices we make. We can't control what happens to us, but we can control how we respond. All of us could probably tell stories of either people we know or stories we've read or, or uh, people that are well-known nationally who had very, very, uh, very difficult up- upbringings and yet be, in spite of it became incredibly successful or maybe because of it, because they refused to stay in a dysfunctional situation. They climbed their, ways out, their way out, and they became something because they refused to be defined by how they were raised. We make our choices, someone said, and then our choices make us. 
We make our choices, and then our choices make us. So we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11. If you're familiar with Hebrews chapter 11, it's what we call the hall of faith in Scripture, right? Hebrews 11 talks about people that were used by God, and some of them you go, oh, yeah, they should be in the hall of faith. And then there are others uh, that you go, what, what are they doing in the hall of faith, right? People like Samson or uh, uh, different ones like that um, that you just wonder what. But listen, remember, God's a redeemer, right? God's a redeemer. And so Hebrews chapter 11, we have five verses on the life of Moses. The first verse is, concerns a, a decision that Moses' parents made for him. And then the other four verses are all about the choices that Moses made. Now, let me just catch you up about Moses in case you're, you, you're not familiar with his whole story. So Moses, uh, or I'm sorry, Pharaoh had decided that the Jews there in Egypt were gaining too, much, uh, too, much, uh, too many numbers. They were growing in numbers, and they were a threat to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians. And so Pharaoh made a decree that all the baby boys would be murdered. You remember, this is a foreshadowing to when Jesus was born, right? And the decree also went out at that time that all newborns would be, would be murdered, newborn boys. So he makes this decree and Moses' parents decided, we're not doing that. That we have this boy, and there's something special about him, and we believe that God has a plan and, his perp- and a purpose for his life. Parents, let me just tell you, stop for a moment and say this. The world has a plan for your kids, but so does God. And you're going to have to decide which way you're going to let your kids go. Right? Parenting isn't easy. Parenting isn't easy. But you're going to have to decide you're going to let them do what everybody else says they should do, or you're going to decide you're going to let them do what God says. So rather than allowing their baby boy to be murdered, they made a basket. You know this story. They put him in the Nile River. They shoved him, shoved him off, and he ended up right there where Pharaoh's daughter was bathing. Pharaoh's daughter sees the baby in the basket, falls in love with him, with this little baby, and decides to take him home and adopt him as her son. Now think about this. Now this Jewish boy, who should have been murdered, according to Pharaoh's decree, becomes the grandson of Pharaoh. But no one in the palace knows except Pharaoh's daughter that he's actually Jewish. And then we read here in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 through 27. It says this, By faith... Moses, when he was born, was hidden, this is what his parents did, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, here it is, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible, who is Christ. Right? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you for your word that challenges us. Lord, thank you for your word that convicts us. Lord, thank you for your word that changes us. 
And Lord, and your word that draws us to yourself. Father, we pray today, speak to us through your word. And Lord, we pray, God, that when we leave this place, we'd have a greater understanding of who you are and who you desire to be in each one of our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So in this passage, there are four verbs that I want to walk you through. Um, Four verbs. It says that by faith, Moses refused, Moses chose, Moses considered, and Moses endured. Here we are, New Year's Eve. We're making goals and resolutions. And we're going to look at how choosing or resolving to put these words, these verbs in practice in our lives has the ability to make 2024 a different and better year. Number one, Moses, the Bible says, refused to be defined by others. And that's my first point for you today. If you're going to follow the plan of God, if you're going to accomplish what God has for you, we're going to have to refuse to be defined by others. So Moses is born a Hebrew slave, but he's raised Egyptian royalty, the grandson of the ruler, Pharaoh. And as he, has to, as he grows up, he has to make this decision. Who am I? Am I, am I a Jew? Am I Egyptian? He's got two choices. He can pretend to be Pharaoh's grandson for the rest of his life, and he can live a life of luxury. He'll have fame, fortune, and all the pleasures he could possibly want. He'll be a celebrity. He'll have power, prestige, and status. And eventually, he will become the ruler of Egypt himself. Or he can admit who he really is. He's a Jewish boy. At that point, they're going to kick him out of the palace. He's going to live with the slaves the rest of his life. He's going to be disgraced, humiliated, and he's going to live a life of pain and sorrow. Which one would you choose? That's a tough choice, right? Oh, I know y'all are more spiritual than Moses and me. (laughs) Think about that. But Moses refused to live a lie. Can I just tell you this? God did not make you to be what somebody else wants you to be. God did not make you what somebody else wants you to be, whether it's your parent or your spouse or your boss. God made you to be you, and God knew what he was doing when he made you. Amen? God knew what he was doing when he, when, he, when he created you. Many people are living a lie, trying to impress people by pretending to be something that they're not. Moses insisted on being who God made him to be. My question for you today as we step into 2024, who are you letting determine your identity? Your friends, your parents, your family, For some of you, it's your parents who died years ago, but you still hear hear their voices in your ears of what you should be and where you should live and who you should have married. You're still trying to live up to their vision for your life. Listen to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let me read it in a different translation. Listen to this. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove in practice, listen to this, 
that the plan of God for you is good. Listen, the plan of God for us is good. The plan of God for us is good. People are going to try to mold you and people are going to try to steer you and people are going to try to label you and give you an identity and you need to remind yourself and maybe the people around you that God has already given you an identity. You are the son of the living God. You are the daughter of the most high God. You remember when you were in high school, peer pressure, right? And people tried to get you to do stuff, right? Well, y'all better wake up. You remember in high school or maybe in your 20s in college, people tried to get you to try stuff and do stuff. And remember in your 30s, the peer pressure that was there, your 40s and your 50s. I can't go any higher than 50s. You old people are going to have to tell me about it after church. Right? Listen, peer pressure has always been there and peer pressure isn't going away because people think they know what you should do. Listen, you weren't created for people. You were created for God. And you're going to have to make a decision. Who's going to, who's going to uh, give you your identity? As you make goals and resolutions, as you tell people, can I just tell you this? I didn't tell this in, in first service just because I didn't think about it. But <laughs> listen, you don't have to tell everybody your goals because not everybody believes in you. Because if you go around telling everybody your goals and your resolutions, they're going to be people who remind you of your failure instead of encouraging you toward success. Right? Not everybody needs to be entrusted with your goals and, and resolutions. Don't tell everybody everything. Some people don't have your best interest. Be careful who you tell your dreams to. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4 says this, Just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. You have a Bible? You have a bunch of Bibles at home, right? Just as we have been entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please men, but to please God who tests our hearts. Listen, in the end, when it's all said and done, what your mother-in-law thinks about you won't even matter. Only God. Right? My mother-in-law thinks I'm amazing just for... I'm her favorite son-in-law. I'm her only son-in-law. I don't know about you, but in 2024, I want to be a, a greater disciple of Christ. Right? I want to be a better disciplined follower of Christ. That's what a disciple is, a disciplined follower of Christ. Listen to what Jesus said about his disciples. And I think if he were here, he'd say this about us as well, that his goal for us Jesus said in John 17, 16, my disciples are no more defined by the world than I am defined by the world. Listen, don't let the world define you. Let Christ define you. This is so important because when you know who you are, it sets you free from the fear of disapproval. Let me just say that again. When you know who you are, when you know who you belong to, it sets you free from the fear of disapproval. Most people are scared of criticism, rejection, and disapproval. you got to say, I'm going to resolve. I'm going to resolve that I will refuse to be defined by other people. I'm not going to let other people's approval or disapproval shape my life, shape my career, shape my future. I'm going to be what God wants me to be. I'm going to be what God created me to be. Let me remind you today, as you consider who you are, as you consider your giftings and your talents, as you consider your story, 
You can trust God with your future. You can trust God because God is for us. Remember Jeremiah 29, 11? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to bless you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That's what God has for us. God has blessings, not harm. God has a hope for us and a future for us, but we've got to trust him in every situation. So Moses, just like us, should choose to refuse to be defined by others. Here's a thought for you today. Here's a declaration for you today. I refuse to be defined by anyone but God. Number two, choose short-term pain for long-term gain. Choose short-term pain for long-term gain. Uh, Verse 25 of Hebrews 11 says this, uh, rather to be mistreated with the people of God, in other words, stay as a slave, than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Listen, pain is producing something good in us. I know pain is difficult. I don't like pain, right? But you know, you hear athletes talk about no pain, no gain. Yeah, they don't look like they're in much pain because they're all bowed up and built up and, you know, they eat like a carrot a day or something. And they've even heard of meshes, donuts, God's food. You may not believe this. There are some crossroads people here today, and um, they'll testify to this. So my friends, in 2005, I ran the Marine Corps Marathon in Washington, D.C. Don't look at me like that. I know. I didn't say I'm running it this year. This is 2005, right? 26.2 miles. I I trained for it. I ran it, and I finished it. Let me just tell you. First service, Tara looked at me like, yeah, why don't you do that again, boy? Um, uh, Listen, it was hard. It was hard. I quit so many times. But in the end, man, when I crossed that finish line, It was just amazing. It was amazing because I accomplished something I never thought I could accomplish. No pain, no gain. In your finances, in your marriage, in parenting, in your employment. Tara and I, when we got married, I've told you this story before, but uh, somebody gave us the Dave Ramsey as a a wedding gift, and it made me mad. Like, who gives a financial book as a wedding gift? Like, so what cheapskate gave us this? They didn't put their name, so they, I don't blame them. <clears throat> and I vowed to never read that book. And then Tara tricked me and said, just read the stories in the book. I read the stories. I read the book. We did the plan. We got out of debt. And now I'm a coach with Dave Ramsey. Um, and, so, uh, and so if you ever read The Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey, at the bottom of every page it says this. If you'll live like no one else today, you can live like no one else later. Short-term pain for long-term gain. So many of the problems in our life come from our inability to delay gratification. We want it, and we want it now, right? We are probably the most selfish culture in the history of mankind because we have access to so much. The right thing is usually the most difficult but only in the short term. The right thing is usually the most difficult, but only in the short term. If you will stick with it, it will pay off in the end. Think about it. You made some tough decisions in your past that you look back and you go, thank God 
I didn't, whatever that was, right? Or thank God I did. It was hard in the moment, but you're so thankful. You paid the price then, and it benefits you now. Listen, the Bible says sin is fun. The Bible says sin is pleasurable, but only for a season. But remember this, sin always comes with consequences. Even if your only consequence is guilt and a lack of peace, sin always comes with consequence. Many people see the Bible as just a book filled with stuff we can't do. Listen, that couldn't be further from the truth. The Bible is a guide to living a life of fulfillment and peace. John 10.10, he came that we would have a life and life to the fullest. Verse 24 of Hebrews 11 says that when Moses had grown up, can I just tell you this? Maturity should cause us to do what we should do versus what we want to do. I've shared this before, but I didn't share it in first. I'm going to share it with y'all. He, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, right? David talks about, I mean, I'm sorry, Paul talks about love is patient, love is kind, all that stuff. And then that's his description of healthy love. And then he says this, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. You know what he's saying? It takes maturity to operate in healthy love. It takes maturity to love your spouse. Sometimes it takes maturity to love your kids. Sometimes it takes maturity to love the people around you. And it takes maturity to say no to some things today for your benefit later. Maturity should cause us to do what we should do versus what we want to do. Let me just give you five facts for every Christ follower. This is true for every one of us in this room as Christ followers. Number one, you are as close to God as you choose to be. How how close you are to God is totally up to you. Number two, you can't live off of others' spiritual commitment. Just because your mama loved Jesus or your grandpa loved Jesus doesn't mean you love Jesus. you got to make that decision for yourself. Number three, you can't blame others for the direction of your life. Some of you have some terrible stories, some terrible past, terrible childhood. But listen, we serve a God who is a redeemer. And if you will allow him to, he will redeem that for your good. But you got to choose, like Moses, to not stay stuck there. You, number four, you are free to choose, but you are not free from consequences. And number five, you will either have pain in life, you will have pain in life either now or later. You make the choice. And again, we don't like pain. I remember when Gabby was born, our, our oldest. She's 17 now. She was born, I was 40 years old at the time when um, Gabby was born, and I, we took her to the doctor's office to get her shots. And I'm telling you, when that child saw those, that needle, she started screaming, and next thing I know, Tara is gone. <laughs> and it's just me and the doctor. I'm like, how did this happen? And the doctor looked at me and said, you're going to have to hold her down. And I'm telling you, two people were crying that day, Gabby and me. Right? But I did it because I knew it was good for her. I did what was difficult. I let her endure pain because I knew that what it would produce would be healthy. Listen, 
sometimes we're, we're spending all of our time questioning God because we only see this part of the story, but we need to trust God that the story is not over until God says it's over and that God is producing something good in us and through our situation. There are two promises concerning pain that we see in Scripture. Number one, pain helps us grow. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4 says this, But we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Listen, God's willing to let us go through some stuff in order to refine us and prepare us for what's next. I don't know about you, but I don't like people have, that have spoiled kids. You ever be around people with spoiled kids? Don't be pointing at people. <laughs> right? And you're like, discipline them. You know, you go to Walmart. I'm like, the devil is in that kid. <laughs> okay, I'm lying. We discipline our kids for their benefit. And God lets us go through difficulty for our benefit We just got to trust that he has good for us. So pain will help us grow. Number two, God will reward you in heaven. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 17 and 18 says this, For this light and momentary affliction. Oh, I know it feels big right now. I know it feels weighty and heavy right now. But scripture says it's light and momentary. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Don't quit. Don't give up. Trust God. He's taking you somewhere and you will one day get to a place where this will be nothing but a memory. So we need to declare today, I choose to obey God regardless of the temporary cost. So Moses refused to be defined by others as we should. Moses chose short-term pain for long-term gain. Number three, consider God's values over the world's. Verse 26 says, Moses considered the reproach of Christ's greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Moses decides what's most important for him in the long term. And we got to decide what's most important for us. Because listen, if you don't know what's most important for you and to you, then you can't live by those convictions. If you don't know what's most important to you and you don't know where your priorities are, listen, you can't live by them. And i tell you one thing we need in our world. We need more people who live by their convictions and their convictions who come from the word of God. If you don't decide what matters most, others will decide for you. The people around you or the culture around you. Listen, the world's values are passion, possession, and position. We see it in John, 1 John chapter 2, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Listen, they haven't changed since the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, and they're not changing for us. Moses walks away from the very things that most people spend their entire lives trying to get because he knew it wasn't to his benefit. Most people want the world's treasures. Most people want the world's pleasures. 
and they want the world's measure of success. Moses walked away from it all because he knew in the end it would not last. 1 John chapter 2, verse 17 says this, And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So if the wise way to live is to live not by the world's value system, but by God's value system, let's take a moment and look at what God values. Number one, we see this in verse 24 of Hebrews 11. God's purpose is more valuable than popularity. Remember the people who were popular in high school? You, don't even, you thought they were so cool, you don't even know where they are, right? I ran into the quarterback at my high school when I was a senior in high school. He was the coolest. He was a stud. I'm telling you, that boy's so fat, he couldn't play, I don't, he couldn't play ping pong right now, right? God's purpose is more valuable than popularity. Listen, I want people to think good about me, but I want God to think the best about me. You know why? Because I can perform for you. God knows my heart. God knows the inside of us. God knows who we really are when everybody else leaves the room. Number two, people are more valuable than pleasure. Moses left the palace in order to free his people from slavery because people are more valuable than pleasure. You know, you've heard the saying that when you die, you can't take anything with you. Right? That's not true. That's not true. There's one thing you can take with you, and that's other people. Because when you live your life for God, and your life is a living testament of the goodness and the love of God, it will point people to your Savior, and hopefully they will surrender to God as well, and one day you'll be in heaven together. You can take people to heaven with you. Not now. Like, if you go now, don't take me with you. I'll meet you there later, all right? So God's purpose is more valuable than popularity. People are more valuable than pleasure. And number three, peace of mind is more valuable than possessions. There's a whole lot of people with a whole lot of possessions that don't have peace. Peace of mind is more valuable than possessions. Peace comes from doing the will of God. And let's be honest, we get bored with stuff. It's a number of years back, I bought a new car, and I'm telling you, the kids were younger. I threatened their lives if they ever ate in that car. I'm telling you, I put them up for adoption, bring them to the somewhere, leave them at the mall. I don't know. But nine months, ten months later, there was French fries under the seat. There were all, why? Because we lose interest with stuff, right? What you think you had to have has been sitting in your garage, and your wife is complaining about because you don't ever use it anymore. But you had to have it. Right? Listen, peace of mind is more valuable than possession. So here's our choice for 2024. I choose to value what God values. So we refuse to be defined by others. We choose short-term pain for long-term gain. We choose God's values over the world. And lastly, number four, endure by faith, not fear. Verse 27 says this, By faith, Moses left Egypt with the slaves, not being afraid of the anger of the king, Pharaoh, for he endured as seeing him who is visible, invisible, which is Christ. Listen, faith or fear, you're going to live by one or the other. Moses tells Pharaoh he's taking all of his slaves. Moses tells Pharaoh, 
I'm taking all the Egyptians with you. The Egyptians, I'm sorry, all the Israelites with him. The Israelites were slaves to Pharaoh. They were Pharaoh's workforce. They were the pyramid builders. And Moses said, I'm taking them with me. Moses had every reason to fear Pharaoh. Pharaoh was the most powerful man in Egypt. Moses tells Pharaoh, I report to a higher authority than you. I don't know who's causing you fear. They may be your boss. They may be your in-law. They may be your neighbor, but they're not your God. The closer we get to God, the less fear we're going to have in our lives. Sometimes people are crippled with fear, even as believers. And I think it can be a signal. And listen, I've been there. That they're not as close to God as they should be. You know why? Because the Bible says that God doesn't just love, that God is love, right? God is love. But the Bible also says this. Perfect love casts out all fear. And when you get closer to perfect love who is God, eventually fear is going to be gone, right? So the closer we get to God, the less fear we're going to have in our lives. But the further we get from God, I think the more our lives are going to be filled with fear. The closer we get to God, the more we're going to be filled with faith. Scripture says without faith, it's impossible to please God. I don't know about your prayer life, but sometimes my prayer life is not very faith-filled. Sometimes my prayer life is just me complaining to God. Can I just tell you, God's not moved by our complaining. He's moved by our faith. God's not moved by our complaining. He already knows. He's moved by our our faith. He's moved by us trusting in him. Matthew chapter 9, Jesus says this. According to your faith, it will be done unto you. What matters is not the size of your faith. What matters is the size of the God we put our faith in. A little faith in a big God gets big results. Everybody has faith in something. I think in 2024, we should put our faith in God and God alone. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16 says this. No one can please God by simply obeying the law. Let me read that again. No one can please God by simply obeying the law. You know why? Because we break the law. We break God's law. We break our own laws. Right? Let's be honest. Last year, January 1st, you made some goals. You made some resolutions, right? You said you were going to get thin. By January 10th, by Super Bowl Sunday, you eating more nachos and you know what to do with. We don't even keep our own law. That's why we can't please God. That's why we can't find salvation in God from our works because we break our own law as well as God's law. No one can please God by simply obeying the law. So we put our faith in Jesus Christ and God accepted us because of our faith. It's not your works, it's your faith in God. So I think in 2024, 
our declaration should be, I choose to trust God and I refuse to be paralyzed by fear. Let me wrap up. I know some of you and I know some of your stories and some of you have had difficult childhoods and difficult marriages and difficult children and difficulty but God's a redeemer years ago I read a book it's out of print now if you ever find it you should buy it and read it it's a small book it's called One Witness by Aggie Hurst Aggie Hurst was the daughter of Assembly of God missionaries. In 1921, David and Sevilla Flood left Sweden with their son David and became missionaries in Africa. Eventually, they had Aggie. So they had a son and a daughter. And they were missionaries there in Africa, 1921. But they endured incredible hardship. In fact, later, Aggie Hurst's mom, Sevilla Flood, died from malaria. David remarried. His next wife died from malaria. They just went from tragedy to tragedy, death to death, illness to illness. And they only had one convert. Every week they would go up to the mountain to buy chickens from a little uh, African boy. And they would go up week after week and tell them about Jesus. And that was the only convert they had in over 20 years in Africa was that little boy. They were so discouraged. They left the mission field. They vowed to never go back. And David Flood vowed to never serve God another day in his life. And he didn't. He became an addict. He became a, a, a hermit. He became a, 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 he just It was terrible. His life was just terrible because he was bitter at God with just one convert 1969 Aggie Hurst is sitting in Minneapolis, Minnesota at a large National Assembly of God conference where they're representing the mission's work of one nation after another and as she sits there with her husband An African man walks up to the podium and he begins to talk about all the miracles happening in Africa. And he talks about as he was the superintendent of the entire Assemblies of God for Africa. And he's talking about the tens of thousands of people coming to Christ. The tens of thousands of people being delivered and healed and set free and all these things. And all of a sudden, as Aggie Hurst sits there, he says this, And to think that I was just a little boy selling chickens. But that missionary couple would come every week. And if I hadn't said yes to Jesus, I don't know where I would be. Listen, you don't know what God's doing, but I promise you God's doing something. God's always at work. When you pray, God's at work. When you work, God's at work. When you just love people, God's at work. You have no idea what God's doing in you and what God's doing through you. You just got to trust him as Lord and Savior of your life and your situation.
God is able. God is able. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean something's not happening. Would you bow your heads? Your heads are bowed. Your eyes are closed. There's a whole lot of decisions we should make in 2024. I think just the four that we talked about today, I think that I think that we should refuse to be defined by others. I think that we should choose short-term pain for long-term gain. I think we should choose, consider God's values over the world's values, and then we should endure by faith and not fear. But the best decision you can make today is to simply say yes to Jesus as Savior. If you're here today and you say, I've never made a commitment to Christ, Or maybe you're here today and you say, I I know that I'm not in a right relationship with God and I want to make that right today. Listen, Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 says this. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the son of God and he was raised from the dead. Romans 10, 13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Listen, religion makes it difficult for us to get to God, but God made it simple because he wants a relationship with us. You're here today and you say, I've never made a commitment to Christ. Or I'm not walking in a right relationship with God and I want to make that right today. I want to embarrass you. I want to ask you to stand or or come forward. I just want to pray a prayer with you. If that's you today, I just want you to lift your hand right where you are and put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? I want to pray a prayer. I want to remind you, this prayer doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. I just want to give you something to pray to help you articulate what the Holy Spirit is doing in you right now. And I'm asking every believer to pray in support of you today. Can we pray together? Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt. And you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all of my heart. And I declare that God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, can you stand with me and give it up for everybody?